You're listening to the Elephant in the Room Property Podcast, where the big things that never get talked about actually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia, and author of a new book called Auction Ready, How to Buy Property at Auction Even Though You're Scared Shitless. And I'm Chris Bates, financial planner and mortgage broker, and together we're going to uncover who's really making the decisions when you buy a property. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website, as well as download our free full or forecaster report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? TheElephantInTheRoom.com.au Please stick around for this week's Elephant Rider Bootcamp and we have a cracking Dumbo of the Week coming up. Before we get started, everything we talk about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent. They will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances. Now let's get cracking. Have you ever wondered how much property styling adds to the value of a home? Or on the other hand, how much it adds to the price you pay? Can paint, paintings and furniture really make a big difference to the appeal of a property? And what are the little tricks that stylists use to make rooms look bigger? Is it possible to create distractions that make a property's faults disappear? In a larger sense, are well-designed homes really better to live in? And what makes a home well-designed anyway? Can on-trend decor make up for a poorly designed home? In this episode, we pick the brains of interior designer and property stylist Amy Stead. Amy's background in commercial interior design projects and furniture design provided the foundation for her moving to residential property design and styling around 10 years ago with her own business, Amazemar. Is that how you say it? Amazemar. Amazemar. Amy's aim is to create spaces people love to live in and to create happiness in their lives. And I tell you, if you sell your property for more money because it's been styled, I'd be pretty happy too. (laughs) Uh, Now, to that end, she also designs a personalised furniture and textiles line called Amaze by Amy. Uh, Amy began her studies at COFA, New South Wales Uni, Bachelor of Design Honours, where she later went on to become a lecturer in the School of Object Design. She's also furthered studies in textile design in Copenhagen at the Danish Design School and teaching interiors at the Sydney Design School. So she's well qualified to talk to us today. Thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Hi, Amy. Good to see you. You too, Chris. Uh, so, Amy, uh, thank you for coming in. Also, 37 weeks. Um, yeah. <laughs> due the same day as my wife. Really? Same it out there. day. Yeah. yeah. Small world coincidences. Uh, how I met Amy as well is um, one of my clients was uh, raving about your services mm-hmm. uh, and how good you did on helping them sell their place. So, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll kind of unpack that sort of selling side, but also um, also helping us with our place. So, that's um, yeah. been a very interesting experience. How did you... Um, <laughs> You know, because obviously you've got interior design and you've got property styling. How did you, why did you decide to go down the property styling route rather than traditional interior design? Um, that would be from my family background. So we noticed a gap in the market about 10 years ago that we could see that there was more of a trend towards property styling. And I'd left the corporate world and was starting my business and found that there was this niche. Um, There's a lot of big companies doing it, like the big um sort of national companies, but there wasn't a lot of boutique options. And we really felt we wanted to tailor a service to my family's company, which was in real estate. So mm-hmm. it just felt like a logical progression for us. And because I'd grown up with it, it just felt like this natural um, process. And I had this inherent knowledge about property. Mm-hmm. And I knew I loved to design people's homes for them to live in, but I also wanted them to help maximise their investment Um when that came to sell. And so that was, say, a 10 years ago, roughly, right? Yeah, started in my spare bedroom. <laughs> yeah, okay. And so nowadays, though, like, that would have been a bit, like, industry. I mean, buyers agents 10 years ago was a completely different industry, mm-hmm. right? I don't know, it's probably yeah. a handful um, that can say they've been in the industry for 10 years, but maybe, <laughs> A yeah. lot less than there are today. <laughs> yeah, way, but, yes. um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in property styling world as well, like, it's now kind of expanded it's a lot. huge. Yeah. Do you yeah. have any idea of what percentage of sales, say, in Sydney that are getting styled or? I would, it would definitely be around 60% now. Wow. Um, we offer a service where we see property that we may not even put hired furniture into, but we go and give a consultation to maximise what <laughs> yeah. they already have. So mm. there isn't that huge outlay, but they're getting professional advice. Mm. So when it comes to that type of thing, um, there's some agencies we work with, we see every property that they list. 
So mm. it's 100% in those circumstances, but across the board, I'd say about 60%. Yeah, so it could be some are just getting rid of the family photos. And yeah, the, uh, some of them it's rearranging things and yeah. and making sure that the space flows beautifully and the clutter's gone Yeah. Um, at the basic. <laughs> um, and then other times we're going in and advising on paint colours and small renovations and things like that without hired furniture. Just on that, yeah. family photos. It's a question it's a, I guess asked all the time. I've, yeah. got, I've got my answer, but I'm keen to know what your answer is. Um, I I sort of have a sort of halfway point with it. So it's like maybe don't have it smack bang in your entryway, like mm. a big your family only photo. <laughs> yeah, it's your only artwork <laughs> or, a, or a wedding photo or something like mm. that. But when it comes to more intimate spaces, like in bedrooms and, and smaller hallways and things like that, I yeah. think it's quite a nice personal touch because it shows it's been a, a loved family space or people that live there have quite a joyous life. Mm. To me, that brings a lovely energy. Um, but you don't necessarily want the big sort of canvas print on the wall in the lounge room, for example, yeah. because you still want to have enough um, neutrality for someone to feel like they can visualise themselves in that home themselves. It's also just bad taste, isn't it, just having yeah. a giant family photo on the, on the yeah. wall? Yeah, so <laughs> like beautifully framed black and white photos down a hallway or something like that and it still works with the decor and it's um, integrated into the home in a, in a considered way, then it's I feel it's fine. <laughs> So let's say you get a uh, property styling and the real estate agent, do most of your work come via people coming to you as in I know I need to style it because I'm going to get the best result before I speak to an agent or is it most for coming from agent goes in and says, look, you probably need to put some money into styling this to get a better price. How does it, where does most of your work come from? Um, in the past it was all agents. Yep. Um, we're finding that we're getting more and more coming organically now. Uh, um, yep. So through referral mainly. Mm, interesting. Um, uh, we also have now started a little retail store where we have street presence so people can come in and get a feel for uh, what yep. we do and they can talk to our stylists face-to-face and have a bit more of a personal approach rather than just a website front of like Googling something mm. and not being at it because it's a quite a personal process. Mm. Um, Especially when you might be telling them gently that they're – Taste exactly. is a bit bad. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They've been living yeah. in this ugly couch We're for very all these years. In that process, <laughs> I promise. Um, but we found that there is more and more people aware of styling That's now. It, yeah. So that mm. they are actually actively looking for a stylist that fits their their needs, their taste, their personality. So where do you think the awareness is coming from? Um, I think it's it's generally in the market now when people are looking. Mm. Um, you can I don't want to say you can tell every property that's styled. It's um, There is that generic styling yeah, there out there, mm. um, which is, I think, sometimes a disservice to the properties. Um, but, uh, of course, television has made a big impact. Um, the reality uh, TV course, shows, yes. of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been around for a while now, but it's just become more and more prevalent that it's just you don't bring a property to market in any of those circumstances without it being styled. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always arguments of not selling the home, for example, with empty rooms. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they think that's people go, that's probably mm. sometimes because you don't really know how it all fits in, et cetera. But do you think you should also not sell the home with potentially poorly styled? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I, as I said, it can do a disservice to the property yeah. if mm. it's not considered because um, we always try to look at uh, the era of the building yeah. Um, the demographic of the location, who could possibly be the buyer. Um, and we want to try and create the lifestyle elements that actually make sense to that property and that potential buyer. So it's not just going, oh, we'll just do a Hamptons look throughout this whole house just because yep. that's what's trendy right now. Mm. Yep. Um, it's It's got to be appropriate. Mm. Absolutely. And so you find, do you find like a lot of styling companies, those, say those national ones, are trying to, you know, there's only so much furniture in each location. So we'll just take our truck there and make it all fit in and just hopefully that'll just style it. Like it's pretty much the same furniture just getting shifted around house yes. to house with no personalization. Absolutely. And often in those circumstances, they have a quite different business structure. So you have a salesperson coming in to pitch to the client or the vendor. Um, they then come back with a list to a stylist who hasn't seen the property. Ah. Um, they pick. And then an install team installs it. Right. And that's how they actually keep the cost down. It is. And yeah. that's how you, we get undercut. Um, mm. Whereas we have one person from where to go. So they see the property, they quote for the property, they pick for the property, they install the property. So yep. there is that one hand across everything. So you know that you're getting 
a quality result that is appropriate to that house. Yeah, and if changes need to be made, because it was a great idea to put the bed that way at first, but now we've put it in there, the room looks a bit weird and yeah, maybe we a, need to make you a change. Yeah, a qualified and, stylist there to make that decision yeah. um, in the process. So I guess you could argue then if they're sort of the more the manufactured styled homes, and a, a lot of investment properties get styled that way because mm. it's, it's, it is cost effective, well, it's Absolutely. cheap, yeah. <laughs> cheaper. Um, and you do see the same old stuff. And, and it's funny because I often with clients, I go, oh, you know, do you reckon it's styled? I'm like, there's a couple of clues. Mm-hmm. No fridge. <laughs> yes. Definite clue. Yeah, that's always No a clue. closing wardrobe. Definite clue. Um, but often you've got the same coffee tables, the same artwork, the same furniture, mm. et cetera, et cetera. But um, I guess that's still better than an empty place. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, the um, <laughs> so you've got obviously the styling, but I've seen a trend as well with the pictures, like the, actually, it's not actually even the property. It's a picture that's created virtual styling it's a virtual mm. styling and then when if you went to the property it's actually empty yeah um have you saying that this is actually a cheaper way that sometimes vendors are going this way just to get people into the property yeah it's like a real we are seeing it yeah but it's not really affecting us all that greatly okay. um it's it's something that i think is possibly more valuable in a rental market yeah mm. um because styling for rental is it doesn't really yeah. equate to return yeah yeah um so i think in that circumstance, a very valuable tool. But when it comes to selling, you have got the emotional connection that is required and the spatial um, recognition. When someone's in the mm-hmm. space, they need those items in the room so that they can actually understand how they can utilise that space too. Mm-hmm. Because most people see an empty room and they cannot visualise mm. how things are laid out in there, how things can fit, um, what the scale actually is, because there's no reference point for them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's because rooms shrink when they're empty too. Absolutely, and they do. It's amazing that. And and so I've got in my phone, I keep all the measurements of beds, you know, so if ever mm-hmm. we are looking at an empty house and, and my stride is exactly a metre. Oh, very that's handy. very handy. It's very handy because <laughs> most beds are two metres long, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I can, I can pace out beds in rooms, which is... Rather helpful, but mm. still not as good as actually having a bed in that room. Absolutely. <laughs> but what are, what are some of the tricks that a stylist will use, visual tricks, I guess, mm. because let's face it, a lot of properties have got, most properties have got some issue. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> some have got definite issues. But so what would a stylist do to come in and say, all oh, right, that's going to be difficult to sell? Or do most agents say to you, look, oh, this one's got really whatever the problem is and do they sort of highlight it or do you know it yourself? Well, we, the agents that we work closely with and regularly, we have a bit of a dialogue with that before mm. we even see the property so mm. we understand, um, one, what the circumstance is with the vendor. So that's a really important thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and then also if there's any key things that they really want us to pay attention to um, and highlight with the vendor as well. So um, some of our agents love to have a mini reno done before um, – <laughs> because it help, makes their job a lot easier. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, others, we have circumstances where we have deceased estates, for example, where there isn't any money to do anything like yeah. that other mm. than just dress the property. So we, um, again, try to look at the property and see what the era is. Yeah. So if we have a deceased estate, for example, we try to honour a little bit of that um, generation of that mm. property. So we might go for a little bit more of a retro look mm. instead of it going really... Um, we don't want it to jar with the space, for example. Yeah. Um, but we go for very neutral colours um, and make sure that it's light and bright and just really um, open it up. So often they've got lace curtains and mm. um, heavy furniture and things like that. So removing all that can just give you the perception of a blank space yeah. Yeah. Um, rather than just all these multi-layered yeah. elements which can distract the buyer. Mm. Damage limitation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, – so we're all quite hypocrites in life. So we, when we're selling something, we would do everything we can to maximise its sale value, right? So we'd, if it's a busy road, we put the radio on, or if it smells a bit, we put candles in and things like that. What are some of those sort of things that, let's say you're a buyer now, most of what we try to do with the podcast is help property buyers and people mm. thinking about buying, make better decisions, yeah. also on selling. What are some of the things you think that you should do as a buyer going into properties that are styled yeah. to kind of make sure that you're not missing anything, like, you know, turning off the lights, etc. Well, one, don't get distracted by the furniture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because sometimes it can look so pretty that mm. you overlook other things. So mm-hmm. it is a case of putting your blinkers on a little bit. Um, you can appreciate the furniture and go, oh, I'd really love that in my house. Or if I bought this, I'd 
possibly do something like that. Yeah, but I'm not but buying don't fall it. in love <laughs> with the furniture. Yeah. Um, that's a really big one because we've had um, clients in the past that then approach us after they've bought the property and they walk in with their, their furniture and they go, it doesn't feel the same. Yeah. And so then we do the interior design for them, yeah. which leads to business for us, which is amazing, but we also understand that that's they got distracted by what we yeah. had created, which, yeah. which was the dream. Yeah. Um, so really focus on the bones of the property rather than what's in it mm. if you're trying <laughs> to be savvy. <laughs> yeah. Um, because as much as we let our emotions be a part of the buying process, um, you've really got to break down all the other elements too. So it's about where the location is, is there going to be a return on investment if you actually make improvements to this property? Yeah. Because there are some properties that are not they don't really, you know, give you a return, do they? I mean, mm-hmm. some terraces, for instance, that are very skinny and on a small block of land and never get an upstairs bathroom. Yep. You, know, you can't yes, add you to spend it. Spend a lot of money sort of making another level or whatever, but like in terms of the overall amenity, it sort of doesn't return, does it? Yeah, that's the thing that um, I think a lot of people still have this warped perception on that um, there is a lot of money to be made in renovating and flicking. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't really exist in every circumstance. Mm. So um, one thing to be mindful of is looking for a property that may be a little bit unloved but has great bones. Oh, yeah, so we love them. <laughs> we love those ones. And if you can get that in a great area um, and to be mindful of what, what the materials are too. So when you're entering a property and going, okay, is the plaster work in good condition? Is the woodwork in good condition? Mm. All of that stuff will save mm. you a lot of money yeah. because painting doesn't cost a lot and it, it returns so much. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. Same with floor the, finishes. Yeah, the floors are in decent condition. Yeah. I mean, you've just done that, haven't you? Yeah. Just polished up your floors. Yeah. yeah. Same with lighting. So they're the three things that I always try to encourage people to look at if they're, they're a bit dismal in the property mm. and you can improve them just on the surface that's going to give you a return on investment. That's a great tip. Yeah. I was thinking of that for the boot camp earlier. Yeah. I was almost going to give it and now you've just added to it made it better. So thanks. <laughs> now I've got to think of another one. <laughs> now on the styling thing, because I just, I'm really quite interested in how the styling thing, I feel like that, hey, I'm going to up your game a lot, like styling, because mm. when we're going into property, so I've been looking at a lot over the last, say, six months. Yeah. And... Uh, I quite just enjoy watching the styling a little bit. And yeah. I feel like it's going like what was about experiences. What are you going to do on your weekends? Yeah. Oh, you're having a baby, aren't you? Yeah. I was about to say, so what are you going to do busy. now that you're <laughs> yeah. I might torture myself. There's another one up the boat road I'm going to have to look at on the weekends. <laughs> and oh, just say, probably should have bought this one. That's um, Bobo, you know, fear yeah. of a better option. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but like, let's say it's on the dining, t- dining, dining table. There's the actually, dining table. <laughs> so there's, there's plates set out uh, in the lounge it. room. <laughs> There's like, oh, there's a barbecue set up. Like it's kind of going next level where it's all about what that property lifestyle is going to create. Absolutely. And is that kind of, are you having to kind of go further and further with your styling now? We've been doing that for a long time. Right. Really? So, do you do that? Um, we don't do the full <laughs> dressed dining table because I feel that's a little bit, personally Too I feel much. it's over the top because yeah. none of us really live like that. So mm. we look at more elements that are, make it um, perceived more lived in. So it might be a pair of shoes under a bench at the front door, ah, um, like yeah. stylishly placed that all yep. fit with the the whole scheme. Designer shoes. Well, <laughs> just something like not something scuffed. Yeah. <laughs> not the reality. Not a pair of scuffed um, school we, shoes. We call it um, optimum, um, like living. So it's like we're not selling like an unrealistic expectation, but it's it's something that is just that aspire, like you aspire to. Yeah. Um, so uh, beach towels, for example, if you're near the beach, mm. yep. um, having like um, newspapers books out. and things like that actually in the shelves, things that just actually make it feel more homely rather than too, I find that stuff sometimes a little too staged. Yeah. So it's the, like the contrived. glasses yeah. and the, oh, the bloody. Yeah. I mean, they, and, the they, they look... and the San Pellegrino bottles in yeah, the kitchen, so I know, which is a big no-no as far as I'm concerned. Oh, 100% good. I'm glad to hear that. Was yeah. <laughs> I do agree though the champagne with the thing out on the oh, kitchen thing. It's no. like it's very American as far as I'm concerned, and yeah. I don't think it really appeals to the Australian um, lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the beach towels and more the kind of sitting out with the yeah, paper more, more and relaxed the sun elements and... is what we aim for. I yeah. saw yeah. one. I took photos and stuck it on Facebook some time ago. It was hilarious. It was oh, this 
crappy old stove in the kitchen <laughs> and it had this sort of full-on cheese board and there was grapes draped over the actual cooktop and there was cheese and there was all this stuff, crackers, the whole palava, the wine glasses, the bottle of wine, <laughs> the wine. It was just all over this. It was like there's a crappy old oven over that and uh, under that and you haven't managed to hide it. In fact, you've drawn you've attention made it, to like it. The duck juxtaposition <laughs> makes it worse. Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Hilarious. Anyway. So have you got a... Like a case study, and I'm sure you've probably got these where persons come to you, hasn't sold at auction, or they've tried to do a campaign, completely missed the mark in terms mm. of not being styled right. Mm. They've come to you, you've maybe waited six months, and then you've restyled it and relisted it and just seen how the actual styling impact has made such a huge difference to itself for us. Absolutely. Um, there's been circumstances where we've had, um, it can be it can be the styling and it can be the agent. So yep. it's a, sometimes the combination, mm. like you yep. can't really pinpoint exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's just been overbaked. So it's just, it's too over the top. Um, it's, again, not appropriate for the building or the demographic. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we find that if we really look at those elements and bring it back to its essence and look at what that buyer or that property, mm. it, we really try to use our empathy in these circumstances. So I always tell my stylist, you put... Like you're in the, the buyer's shoes when you're styling. What do they want? So it has to be appropriate. And when it's not, it can really, it's an expensive process to go through and not get a return. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. it's it's something that, um, again, it's, it's it's price point and expectation from that buyer's perspective, uh, that owner's perspective. If they've thought that it's worth a hell of a lot more, we can't do anything about that. Yeah, yeah. But if the agent has actually pre-framed it all correctly and we are doing our job properly, then there shouldn't be any issues. Jenny, yeah, return on the investment. In terms of actually paying for it though, like can you give our listeners a bit of an idea of what mm. it actually costs? Yeah. How does all the rental of furniture actually work? Yeah. And then um, what happens if it doesn't sell mm. uh, and then you've got to rent your furniture mm. much longer? Um, not not then, so much an issue now, but it would have been an issue last year. It yeah. was an issue last, last year, year in 2018. Um, to give you an idea, that we um, we used to have a higher term, which was four weeks minimum with two weeks bonus we'd mm. give at the end just to give that sort of buffer beforehand for marketing and then buffer after possibly auction or mm. um, period of sale. Um, now, last year we had to add four weeks, so yeah. we went to eight weeks. Um, we've kept that going for now just to give our clients that buffer and then it goes to a weekly higher rate, mm -hmm. um, which is um, the, the four weeks divided by four. Mm -hmm. um, so we very seldom go into extensions. Mm. Um, most of the time something has happened because it actually expediates the, um, the urgency to actually make a, like, a sale. Mm. So, so as in... Uh, let me just read between the lines there. You're saying that if the vendor realises they're going to lose all their furniture and they've yeah. got an offer on the table and they suddenly realise that they'll probably get lower offers without any furniture in the place, yeah. they're more likely to accept that offer. Yeah, because mm. they're, it's at its <laughs> optimum when it's styled. Yes. Mm. So it could just reduce everything. Um, and the, the higher rates um, yeah. are relative to the scale of the property, of course. Yeah. So, um, and that is not just because of the amount of furniture going in, but the amount of time it takes to install. So yeah. essentially we're moving a whole house of furniture in, mm. yeah. which is, is oh. a process. So oh. every every day we're moving two yes. to three properties. So I'm exhausted thinking about it. I'm actually moving house in less than two weeks. Mm. and um, We and just don't have to deal with all the things inside the cupboards. That's the yeah, only yeah, exactly yeah. right. Moving all the empty stuff is much easier than <laughs> yes. all that crap. I'm, yeah. I'm paying people to pack and unpack. But, oh, um, that's completely yeah. worth the investment. Oh, yeah. God, it's still stressful even doing that. But, yeah, mm. it, absolutely. But, yeah, moving that. Because it's physical work. I mean, I guess your stylists aren't literally carrying in the sofas and stuff. But um, our removals team does, so we mm, have yeah. boys that do that. But our stylists um, are quite physical too, so they're yeah. moving things around and mm. hanging art, and um, all the girls are on the drills and doing everything. Yeah. So, so um, how much does it cost though? Like, so you said it's styling. So let's say you might say say a two bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. You know, typical say eighty hundred squares sort of thing. How much would that cost to style? Uh, depending on scale of outdoor space, um, yep. anywhere between sort of two seven two thousand seven hundred to about four grand. 
So um, it really depends on the size of the living spaces and the outdoor spaces because that's where a lot of the furniture gets eaten up. And you get four weeks rental for that? Yeah. Yeah. And then you might have to pay extra fees for renting at, say, 1000 bucks a week or something yeah, if your campaign. That, if it extends. So it's interesting that the person's willing to sell the property mm. quickly to avoid paying $1,000 a week extra to rent the furniture. <laughs> yeah, we do yes. find that there's a little bit of a... Um, uh, a disconnect between the investment of styling and the return on understanding of return on styling. Mm, yeah. Because we find that it's at least 10 times yeah. what they'll get on their return. Yeah. Um, and people don't quite understand that because it's a, if an upfront outlay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do have payment plans and things like that now within the industry that are becoming more common. And there's even some companies that are now going down the path of you don't pay unless it is sold, Ooh, yes. which is getting into Desperate. dangerous territory yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, because it's really undervaluing our service and um, it's yeah it's it's a little it's getting a little bit yeah catty in that, that well, respect. Obviously, it's becoming competitive. It is. It, it has be become players, mm. that's very case. competitive, yeah. and because there's a lot of individuals too that don't that are starting up styling companies. That don't have the experience, that don't understand the overheads and that the costs. That sounds like buyer's agency. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they're getting, they're undercutting mm. um, and people are getting multiple quotes yeah. and then getting a service that is subpar. And not understanding yeah. the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I found when I was in, in selling, obviously when I first started selling, it was like only the really expensive properties mm. got styled and then even in the six years that I sold, by the end of that, nearly everything that we were having that, that yeah. I sold was styled. And, and I did have a stylist that I favoured yes. over. And then that was when sort of I think Living Edge and Coco Republic started coming mm-hmm. in and they're the bigger, you know, the national companies, right, yeah. furniture mm-hmm. companies. And so that changed the landscape a bit. And I know the stylist that I was using used to put those personal touches in and really actually styled the house around the buyer. And, and that yeah. was and made a massive difference in, in my view. Um, but I also know she she gave me a few of her tips and you haven't given mm. us any and I'm going to push you on this because, okay. you know, <laughs> you know, there's actually little tricks and, and one that I've mentioned a number of times in the podcast is that she told me you take the feet off beds, you know, mm. to make the room look bigger. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of little tricks like that that stylists yeah. use. Can you share a few for us? Go on. Absolutely. Um, one that comes front of mind is um, mirrors. We use mirrors mm. a lot um, mm. to reflect light in, a, in an optimum way. Um, because often we are styling, say, maybe not the best apartment Um, and with very low light, we'll often put mirrors, more mirrors than you probably would live with in a room. Um, Again, we use lighter coloured furniture for the same purpose. Yeah, um, okay. Ooh, that's deliberate. It is deliberate um, because it makes the space feel bigger. Mm. Um, Most of them are around making the space feel bigger. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Because um, unless we have a really... Or lighter. Lighter, brighter, mm. bigger, yeah. and airy. Yeah. So we want to have um, fabrication and, de- and textiles and textures that are have that essence of lightness mm. rather than heavy, dark timbers and leathers and things like that. So is this why stylists love those bent um, glass coffee tables? Oh, yeah, they're the bane of my existence. We do not own any of those. <laughs> that's usually the sign. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. styled. <laughs> my husband called? had one when he, when I met him and I'm like, that's out. You're gone. <laughs> gone. Yeah, <laughs> deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. things like the radio, though? Like I have seen that quite a lot where, and obviously turning on all the lights. That's the agent know, will do that, though. The yeah, agent but, but, does but that. That's mm. still part of the styling, right? Like it's Well, we discourage the use of artificial light during the day, and if they are going to use it, we prefer them to use ambient lamps. lighting like lamps. Mm. Mm. Um, a trick. Yep. Because otherwise um, the overhead lights are just too obvious mm. that yep. they're needed. Mm. Um, so we'd much rather use um, ambient oh, lighting. Oh, that's a great little yeah, trick. Because it, it just it gives a warmth too without it being... It's not so Direct. obvious. Yeah. yeah, and you can't run around trying to find where all the switches are. It's yeah. so much easier to turn off your overhead lights. Well, you do see that that sort of, um, you know, semi sort of confident uh, property buyer storming around the properties. Yeah. Turning all the lights on. <laughs> yes. And, like, you know, making a real big, oh, yeah, turning the lights on, opening up the cupboards. And, oh, yeah, slamming things. Yeah. And doing, yeah. <laughs> Flushing <laughs> toilets. I've seen people do that. <laughs> I've know, seen it all. Yeah. I've worked in open houses as a youth when I was yeah. studying. So, I, yeah, I remember it well. <laughs> Classic. Oh, yeah. So back home, more tricks. You want to know more tricks. So we've had mirrors, we have lamps. Yeah, we use um, a, a lot of greenery as well these days. Yeah. So um, that just brings that freshness into, particularly if the outlook isn't all that appealing um, because it just brings that sort of feeling of nature and um, 
and freshness and life into, mm. the, into yeah. the property as well. So you'll notice that is actually a big trend at the moment and one that is there for a purpose. Yeah. Um, something else you'll probably notice too is we don't often dress beds in coloured bedding. So mm. most of the time the base of it is white. So that's harping back to so the idea of the cleanliness of a hotel and things like that and the luxury mm-hmm. side as well as the space and the lightness. And mm-hmm. um, so that's something we often use white as a base and then you layer in colour and texture over the yep. top of that. Mm. So if you are doing um, this yourself, it's a, like, it's a bit of a great no-brainer, white towels, white bedding and then layering colour on top. Now, here's a quick call out. If you're interested in working within my business, Good Deeds Property Buyers, as a buyer's agent, we're looking for people, at least one person, to join our team. Now, if you are currently working in real estate, could be in a sales role, could be in a buyer's agent role, and you're working and have a good familiarity with the inner west or eastern suburbs of Sydney, we're interested in talking to you. But more than that... It's around values alignment. If you love what you hear on this podcast, if you really want to be a champion for the rights of buyers and you really care about the advice you give, then we definitely are interested in talking to you. We're going to have an information night on Tuesday the 10th of March. So please send me an email, info at gooddeeds.com.au and we will send you some information. If you'd like to come along, find out about what we're talking about, find out about whether the values align with yours and whether you'd be interested in joining us, send us an email. I was reading an article today, it was like uh, the different trends in style over the last 10 years. I think it was like a mm. domain article or something. And um, it was like, you know. Uh, I can't remember them all, but you got like Scandi, you got Nordic, you've got like Regal and Retro and Vintage, and it's kind of shifting so fast. Mm. How like is it literally every year? Like we are basically going for a different look. And how how are you dealing with that challenge as a styling company? Because I feel like it's just when you look back on it, you go, "Well, yeah, actually, it has changed every year." Oh, it you know? absolutely has. Like when I started, we had a lot of bright colors, and it was very vibrant and. Um, very playful because there's a lot of retro um, elements at play Um, and we've become more and more neutral over the years and come back to more organic forms and shapes and textures and tones. Um, I think it's also got a little bit to do with the political climate as well, like how we feel in ourselves or the Mm. trends that people are drawn to. So this sort of more subdued palette that we're experiencing at the moment, coming back to nature and earthiness, but it's also slightly depressing in my yep. mind. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we look at the psychology of colour and things like that mm. too when we're styling. So what colours are going to affect people in different ways in different spaces. Oh, yeah. Give us some clues on that. Yeah. People talk about red dining rooms, for instance, makes people eat more. Yeah, but red is quite an aggressive colour for <laughs> mm. someone that is looking to buy. So we try and avoid that or neutralise it if it's a fixture in the house. Mm. Um, the more um, in the area that we style in, which is on the northern beaches of Sydney, we find that referencing nature is a really powerful tool mm. for us. So we use those ocean tones because they remind people of where they live mm. and they also have a beautiful calming effect mm-hmm. as well. And we believe that you want to have a calm feeling in your home generally, as well, yeah. generally. That's pretty much yeah. we should be after. Yeah. <laughs> Considering the chaos of the world, we yeah, want to try yeah. and, like, come to this sanctuary. So that's yeah. kind of a, a cue that we use for colour palette quite a lot of the time and also existing fixtures in the home we always mm-hmm. reference back to. Um, when it comes to more the psychology of colours, um, you don't want to have too many um, jarring um, contrasting colours, so, like, on opposite colours on the spectrum as well because that can be a little bit abrasive. Mm-hmm for the viewer as well. So there's just little tricks around um, colour placement and colour combinations that can make a huge difference about making it more soothing. So so I've got a client at the moment and um, she's got an investment property in Melbourne mm-hmm. and uh, it's rented out. She's got a tenant. So she can't really keep the te- tenant out and they want to sell it because they want to take the proceeds from that to buy a new home. Yes. Um, and it's in a reasonably good suburb. It's like in a, in a west sort of area. But, you know, the, the challenge they've got here is do they sell it now with a tenant or do they wait and get it starved and hit the market? Um, do you think that it's really, you know, every property has to be starved and every property 
should be styled. How do you decide which ones are perfect for styling and which ones aren't? We've created a couple of different offers in our, within our business to accommodate these circumstances. So yeah. we've created a, a photo shoot style for tenanted properties where we go in with a layer of items layer over the tenants, um, maybe take a piece of art down, put a new piece up, put in put in <laughs> new bedding. Yeah. Um, we have to get the tenant's permission, of course, that yeah. goes through the agent. Um, but the agent and the vendor um, have us come in and dress it for photos. Yeah. So it's not completely dissimilar to the virtual styling, but yeah. it the basic stuff is there. They've mm. still got the reference of the scale of the furniture, um, but it just looks more appealing when you're looking at it online or in the paper. Yeah. Um, so that's the basic level. Because it does make the agent have to work a little bit harder, doesn't it? It does. It's mm. another little little process that they have to deal with, which is part mm. of the process when you're you're selling a tenanted property mm. anyway because it is slightly more challenging. Yeah. Um, the other option is to, yes, pull everything out and, and style it. Yeah. We do find that those properties that do that and do even just paint after a tenant has been in, they do get a better ROI. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But... Um, we also offer a partial style too. So if someone is living in the in the home and it is their, um, they're actually they're living in that investment property yeah. for a period of time before they buy. Yeah, yeah, we can layer over things for that six week, six to eight week period, keeping their stuff as a base, and then we add in the elements, just make it more appealing to the buyer. Yeah, gotcha. And what sort of properties wouldn't you style? Like if you're listening and you go, "Well, think about selling that property," but like maybe it's I'm not going to get bang for buck on the styling. Mm. Like, I imagine it's properties that probably need a bit of work. Yeah. 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 So it's it's more of those properties that um, we know are going to become developments. Uh, <laughs> we okay. really yep. steer clear of um, and we're very honest with people if yep. that's the process. Um, and most of the time the agent has given us an idea on that as well. Um, sometimes if it's... Um, if it is in a really poor state and we know that it's probably going to have to get gutted, then we don't. Yeah. Um, so they're probably the only two. Um, mm. Every other circumstance, we can make a difference. So it may not be styling every room, mm-hmm. but we style like the master bedroom, the living room, the dining room, and put a couple of elements in the kitchen and bathroom just so yeah. it has a little bit of appeal. Um, but, yeah, there isn't really um, mm-hmm. one that I'd just say blanket, don't bother. Yeah, yeah. So when you when say, for example, you're going out and buying, um, what are some of the tricks that you would say? Because, I mean, you can just kind of go and look at the shops, uh, et cetera. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go out and have put a bit of a buying plan in place, how would you recommend people kind of go about, say, furnishing a new home? Oh, okay. Um, so one <laughs> that just, they've just purchased, as yeah. in your example. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is the guinea pig here. Yeah, yeah. Um, really look at the scale of the space too. So same things apply, like making sure you've got great paths of travel around your furniture. So not over overscaled items just because mm. you've got this new space mm. and going They're too small. We haven't even talked about places that are too big. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This is another mm. thing too, because you can end up like rattling in a space and yeah. your furniture can look really Silly. awful. <laughs> yeah. That's when you get a king living or something, don't you? And you get yeah. those like ridiculously stupid big sofas. The huge giant sofas. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you sink into it and you're like, oh I love this and then it doesn't work at home. Yeah. Um being, yeah, being really considerate of, of scale is my biggest one because it can mm. make or break a space. Um, and that's really making sure that you've got that sort of 800 to a metre around like your major paths of travel. Yeah, interesting. Um, mm. Because otherwise you end up like squishing past things in your own mm. house, which is not a nice feeling. Mm. And you know that when you've gone to see a property for sale yeah. and it hasn't been laid out correctly, that that is disconcerting, um, particularly mm. if you're crossing paths with somebody else. Especially a busy open house at the moment. Like, yeah. You know, you got- 60 people going through an open house, it's crowded. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing, if you've just bought a property and you're wanting to furnish it, um, you I, we always suggest that you actually look at what you have first. Um, so if there's anything that you can take the measurements of to the open house or when you've got your pre-settlement inspection so you can actually um, see what can be reused because you'll be surprised some things could be put into a completely different context, mm. say armchair could go into a bedroom that you've now yeah. got more space or things like that so that you're not having to start with absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also looking at um, sort of materiality. So is there a theme or um, like an essence you want to create in the space? So um, do you want a relaxed beachy kind of vibe or are you wanting more industrial? Or mm. So looking for commonality within the pieces that you pick through the house so there's some common thread or 
in two or three ways so that you not not everything's matchy-matchy. It doesn't all have to be the same timber from the same shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's something that you can harp back to that kind of gives you that visual cue that makes you feel like, ah, that's referencing something else in another room or there might be a colour that you repeat from an artwork in one room that then comes mm. into a rug or something like that. So that gives you that continuity, which is quite soothing again. Yeah. So it's not like you're going through different rooms, they're a completely different house, each room. Yes. Yeah, so you haven't got a, a retro room, link. a Hamptons yeah. room, a, like that. You can mix your styles too. So that's <laughs> yeah. something to not be afraid of yeah. um, because it's, I, I feel that the trends are becoming more eclectic now um, because you have got these sort of merging of styles happening rather than mm. being strictly um, in a box of that particular style. Well, because the problem is it becomes a bit sanitised, isn't it? But, yeah. but also, I mean, the fact is that furniture is expensive. It is. You know, unless you go to Ikea. But but even if you go to Ikea or buy it on Gumtree or whatever, I mean, it, it's not great quality. So it's and not from gonna... a sustainability perspective, mm. we can't just yeah. be constantly updating it. Yeah. things like that. So we believe in buying very... Um, like your large pieces in a relatively neutral way. So um, be that in a really great and high quality. Mm. So go for amazing timbers, leathers, great linens, things like that you know that you're going to get at least 10 to 15 years out yeah. of. Yeah. And then you can be a bit more trend-focused on your layers. So, soft furnishings. Yeah, soft mm. furnishings, accessories, artwork, um, and um, your textiles. So Yeah, so spend, if you're going to spend money, spend it big on the things that are, going to stick around for a while and yeah. get them. But also make sure you have budget for the lo- the layers as well yeah, because that's okay. what makes it feel like a Otherwise home. you just got this big piece of furniture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> otherwise you have this, this amazing leather couch with nothing on it and it uh, will just, it won't make the space feel any better. Yeah. It's the, sometimes the smaller stuff that gives you the bigger impact in how you feel in the space. Which is back to the whole styling thing mm. in terms of those little, little touches that you put in place before selling a property that make yeah. people think, oh, I want to live here. Exactly. I love it. I want that house. <laughs> <laughs> what about, what is the first thing that you look for when you walk into a property? What's the first Ooh. thing that will stand out to you? Uh, natural light, ceiling heights, um, and I look at the bones. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of my three now, it's interesting you say about ceiling height because that's the one thing I often say to clients: you can't see that on a floor plan, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. or even a photo. No, with a wide angle lens, it yeah. there's no way you can mm-hmm. tell. It's uh, it's and it's amazing the difference it can make. Mm-hmm. But when you say bones, I know what mm-hmm. I no, I know what I think of when I when you say bones. But tell us more about what that is. Um, so that is like the way the building is constructed. So if you have um. And the, and the details in the building as far mm. as I'm concerned. So the things that you don't have to replace. Yes. <laughs> you may have to repair, um, mm-hmm. but if the bones are good, as in, say, your architraves and skirting mm. and um, your flooring, um, things like that are there and they can be um, maintained over time yeah. and they're yeah. not having to be replaced, that's the bones. Yeah. Also the layout of the space too. Yeah. So if you're not and, having to make yeah. structural changes, um, the, I also include that in the bones. So mm. it's like part of how the house is at the moment, mm. how the apartment is at the moment without yeah. having to do those huge outlays yeah. of expense. Yeah. Mm. Do you think that's one of the like the common mistakes of the flippers? Because you probably would have seen a lot of people, you know, because you've seen a lot of uh, seen a lot of properties and mm. then a lot of people who have, uh, for example, bought it, renovated it, and as an t- interior designer, you probably think, what were they thinking sometimes? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what were some of the big mistakes you think where they go wrong? Is it... Uh, like obviously got overcapitalizing, buying the wrong property Absolutely. and things like that. But what are mm. some of the other things that really you think they, they really get it wrong with flipping? I think a lot of people like sketch all over a floor plan and then think, oh, that's easy yes. as well. <laughs> yes. Um, so, <laughs> oh, I can move this wall. I can do that. I can put mm. an extra bathroom here. I can do that without considering um, the basics of keeping the building up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the knock-on effect. <laughs> <laughs> or the fall-down um, effect. Yes, yeah. the fall-down yeah. effect. Um, so things like that, if you are intending to purchase and do a very major renovation, it is worth talking to an engineer or a builder um, mm. yeah. and bringing before them through <laughs> before you buy, um, if you can, if you've got yeah. the, the luxury of doing yeah, so. Sure. Um, it's a it's a worthy process because otherwise you can end up in very dangerous territory mm. Um, mm. and that's where overcapitalization can happen very, very easily. I was talking to somebody recently they've, they've incorporated a garage into their house they bought a house to renovate you know to do a bit of a 
You not do so the much opposite, of, don't you? Well, you usually turn the garage well, into a bedroom. there's lots of space for parking. Well, the, yeah, they've made it sort of another living area. But yeah. I, went, oh, okay. I said, yeah. well, is that actually an inhabitable space? And mm. you got the right head. head. Legal. Have you got? Is it legal? Yeah. Have you got the right head? Head. Is there ventilation? Is yeah, there natural all, light? All these things. Center, all yeah. that stuff. I said, have you actually made any inquiries? Oh mm. no. Yeah, and this is a thing too that you'd be surprised. There's a number of people that will just go and do these renovations mm. without council approval. Yeah, um, adding in an extra bathroom, for example, can often require yeah. council approval. Mm. Um, unless you get one of those very noisy toilets that sort of yeah recycles water and things. Um, <laughs> so that yeah. is a way around it. Because but, of the plumbing, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and also where the plumbing is. So mm. if you're wanting to move things around in a bathroom or relocate the kitchen or do things like that, that's a very expensive yes. process yeah. unless you have access to that plumbing that's either underneath or on the side of the building. Mm. So if you're on a concrete slab in an apartment block, that's not happening Yeah, <laughs> unless there is major works happening. So things like that, I think people just think, oh, renovation's easy. I've seen it done on television. Yeah, um, It only takes X number of days yeah. or weeks and yes. the reality is very, very different. Yeah, a lot. you spend a lot more, it takes a lot more time and then... Yeah, you might not get what you think you're going to sell it no, for. No, particularly and... if you're intending to flip quickly. Yeah. Well, if my... you're not going anywhere for 10 years, that might be a different case. But yeah, if you're intending to getting... move it in 24 months, it'll be very different. Well, yeah. that's it. I mean, most people overestimate their ability and they underestimate <laughs> the cost mm. and, uh, you know, how long it takes and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And then, you know, and then they're relying on the market to be favourable to them. Which no, they've got no control over. No, none at all. And most, I mean, look at, I don't have a crystal ball and I'm in this day in, day out, you know. It's really impossible yeah. to pick it. Yeah. yeah, the flippers who bought in 2015, 16, then, you know, got their plans ready in 17 and then bang, the market went down and then they wanted to try to flip into 2018. There was lots of examples of those properties that got sold in 2018. Mm. Um, you know, one of my clients was buying, he's an investment sort of guy, he mm. loves watching these and tracking them he goes, this, <laughs> and he sends them to me. He goes, this one paid 1.7 and they sold it for 1.6 and they spent at least 300 on the reno. That's a 600 grand loss sort yep. of thing. And he'd send them to me when he was looking. It was, we what? had an experience like that where we were bidding on a property. It went well over what we were wanting to buy in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, recently sold last year for less, Yeah, uh, significantly less. And had they reno- renovated? They renovated. Mm. Yeah. And we were just like, oh, my goodness. It wasn't actually – it was in our third preference of tier of suburbs and everything, mm. but we got kind of caught up in it and then went, what are we doing? And wow. even with all my knowledge, my father's knowledge, everything, yeah. it was still this moment of like, oh, thank our lucky stars that we didn't let the emotion take over. The elephant. Yes. In the moment. You had the elephant right I had the elephant, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, whereas I had a beautiful experience with my investment property where I bought in 2013, mm. sold in oh. 2016. Beautiful. <laughs> for almost double. Yeah. And nice. then enabled us to buy the yeah. house that we wanted. Gotcha. So, Yeah, when you add those numbers up on those <clears throat> flips, it gets very scary because you mm-hmm. go 5% for stamp duty, you know, 3% to sell it. So you, and then you've, you've got, also got your your consultants fees and yeah. possible capital gains if you haven't yeah. lived in it. So yeah, that's yeah. right. It's it's never usually as pretty as the um the block makes out. Mm. But with the overcapitalizing <laughs> thing, um, where do you think that you can't really overcapitalize? Mm. Where you should go super quality fittings or something. Mm. Yeah, but okay. where shouldn't you go and spend uh? You know, money. Where, where do you think it's just just get the basic version? There's no point going and buying that ultra high lux that yes. you can get a very good one for this price. Yeah. But where should you go and get something that should be something quite special? Um, I think it's more in the I call it the jewelry of the home. So it's in your okay. like your hardware, um, mm. your tapware, your lighting, and things like that. Tiles. Is, um, and your tiles mm. and things that um, particularly if you're doing a major renovation on the kitchen or bathroom, um going for the bones as being really high quality of that. So your cabinetry, your tiling, your bench top, mm. um, and so your tap and your sink and things like that. So that, that's an, an area that's worthy of investment. Um, same with your tiles in your bathroom because to retile is quite a, um, a process mm. because it involves waterproofing and gutting and yeah. mm. it's a messy process, an expensive process. And something you don't want to have to do. And that tile paint ain't great. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it does the trick to sell if mm. we have like something horrendous that we need to cover, or you've just moved in and you want to neutralize an awful bathroom well, for that's a couple a trick of that you years. Can talk about tile paint. Yeah, yeah tile paint. <laughs> it, it, it has its merits when you're only thinking about using it for about two years. Yeah, because and it can actually compromise the waterproofing, can it? Or, or the it can penetrate 
or can allow water to penetrate the tiles because yeah. you've got to grind it down a bit, don't you? Um, just vaguely. You just need, if it's a really glossy tile, you need to sand mm. it back slightly. So if it's been waterproofed correctly underneath, it should be okay. Mm. But if it is an old bathroom, that might be compromised. Yeah. And you don't know. So, so it looks great initially. Yeah. But it starts to chip away and you can't yeah. trust it. So it's good if you want to sell it. And then, But when yeah. you're buying ones with tile paint, be yeah, just be, be aware. Be careful mm. that yeah. that's not going to look that nice, shiny for long. No, but, no. Yeah, and okay. sometimes it peels. <laughs> it does. If it, yeah. if it surface hasn't leak. been, yeah. yeah, if the surface hasn't been pre- mm. prepared properly, so get a professional to do it if you are yeah. wanting to live with it for a little while. But yeah, yeah it's not a sort of a DIY project as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's funny because our painter said that same thing to us. He mm. said, "I said, oh, what about painting these tiles?" He goes, "No." He yeah. says, uh, I can do it. Mm. He goes, I'll guarantee everything else we do in the house. Yeah. But not that. But that <laughs> I'm not guaranteeing at all. Like yeah, you said. You drop something hard on it, it chips, you scuff it with a shoe, like anything can happen very easily. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of the renovation sort of um uh experts <laughs> uh love the tile paint. Well, they like do. they love that and then they spray mm-hmm. the splashbacks and the mm-hmm. Etc. Um, but you're yes. right. It's it's low a, cost, high impact. It's great. To for the, be honest, to replace a splashback is actually not a huge cost. Mm. So you're better off ripping the tiles off. Yeah. Because it's often a small space. Mm. Picking up a really great tile from like you don't need a lot of square meterage, so you yeah. can often get them on discount, and you can often tile that yourself. So that's a DIY that I would say go oh, for. A tip. Yeah, um, okay. And I've done that on a number of kitchens um, to flip as well. Mm. So respray the cupboards. Resurface the bench top. Yeah, and that's Re- a really cool thing. That yeah. Respraying. You can send all your cupboards off to basically yeah. a paint shop. Or you can, if it's if it's a timber cupboard, the mm. painter can do it on site mm. um, in situ so you're not having to even deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then replace your hardware on your doors. Mm-hmm. And that can make a whole a kitchen look completely brand new. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's not compromising the quality because you know that there's still good solid cabinetry. You've put in a decent bench top and it's not like you're – well, it's not a wet up. area in the yeah. same way a bathroom is, is it? So yeah, exactly. Um, you don't have as many um, issues that can occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in a bathroom, if the tiles are a good quality, again, just updating your hardware and your tapware, um, replacing the vanity can be a great mm-hmm. option as well. Mm-hmm. Um, replacing um, a toilet if it's really old school mm-hmm. and um, be a bright colour <laughs> or it could just be really, really old, old shape. Yeah. On those uh, lids that drops, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's what my daughter said to me, when we move, Mum, are we going to have one of those soft lids again? <laughs> Instead of going yes, playing. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> she, she leaves the lid up because she keeps dropping it. I'm like, stop. Can you put the lid? Anyway, um, <laughs> on that overcapitalising, and it's a good thing to talk about because actually at the moment, and by the time this goes to here, the property that I'm talking about will have sold, so I don't mm. think I'm compromising anything, but it is in a, it's in a good area. Mm. It's in a great street. It's it's fundamentally a good house, and it's been well designed in terms of its floor plan, and it's all mm-hmm. renovated. And and what's a bit annoying is the level of finish. Mm-hmm. It's just a bit pedestrian. It's a bit sort of stock standard. Where yeah. it, in the area that it's in, it really would warrant it a higher end. But the market is so hot at the minute that, and it's what I said to our clients. You know, unfortunately, I don't think you're going to get a discount if you want to buy this property yep. because it's got those cheaper finishes. And it's yep. really annoying, but it is yep. what it is, and we have to sort of confront that. But in a slower market, you know, and I know this in my own renovation, mm. I haven't, I haven't compromised, <laughs> I haven't gotten stupid, but I also have been very careful in my choices. Mm. Partly, I'm living in it forever. I'm never moving, but um, oh, never yeah. again, never <laughs> again. But, but what's this space? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, anyone in property that says Stop that, it. I don't believe I'm them. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm prepared to put money on this. Um, but, but didn't you say you want to live in Potts Point in retirement? And... Yeah, but I'm not retiring for the next twenty years. I've got twenty well, that's years. That's Already, sleeve. we've already got a. Well, we've already got a move. In my on. in my world, twenty years is forever in property. <laughs> but the thing is that so I've obviously chosen for my own um, mm. purposes. But you never know what happens in life. You know, I might yeah. get this amazing opportunity to live overseas or something, and all of a yeah. sudden I'm off, and I do sell it. Yeah. No, I know what you're yeah, saying. I know there, what you're saying I, too. I've been thinking the same thing. Um, so in a hot market where there's mm. a lot of desperate buyers mm. around. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've just been watching, tracking lots of different properties recently and they're watching some that um, are just seeing the neighbour sold or across the road sold. Yeah. I thought, hang on a sec, we weren't thinking about selling, but they got 1.8 across mm, the road. Yep. Why shouldn't we should put ours in the market? Yeah. And then the agent's also probably knocking on their door, to oh, be honest. Of course they are. Oh, they're um, at least. You know, <laughs> yeah. Did you know we sold the neighbour? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we know. We saw We've the cars rocking up every day, every up, Saturday. Yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I feel like for some of these people, 
just getting it on the market, striking while the iron's hot. Don't even bother do with the fixing the doors. Don't even bother fixing the gutters and things like that. Just get it on the market and get it sold is kind of the best way for them to maximize their price because there's a lot of people desperate in the market. And I mean, do you find that some properties that just, they're not, if they spend money on maintenance, they spend money on styling, it just doesn't really even make a difference because there's so many people out there. It's very seldom that that happens. Okay. Yeah. So even um, if someone's missed out on a property that has gone really gangbusters and has been really hot, it's probably because it's been done really well. Yeah, it's true. So then if something is in the so same street, buyers. it mm. can still be looking lackluster comparatively. So mm. it is still worth doing like the basics at least. Yeah, so okay. like doing those little touch-ups and it's amazing what can be turned around in a week. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, okay. you, like, and a lot of agents have their, their trades ready to go and they can wrangle well, they and do. make stuff happen. Yeah. Um, it's still worthy doing that because you're going to get grain more competition. Mm. It's just essentially what the price comes down to. Extra so extra buyer. It's all you need. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we find that um, we often still go in for a consultation and tell them what to do within that short period of time if they've only got, say, five days to go to market. Yeah. So they may not be hiring from us, but we go in and give them professional advice mm. of what they can achieve in that amount of time over a weekend or whatever it is where they're best to spend their time or money. Yeah. yeah um, okay. So it's still worth not just going to market with, the house in shambles and yeah. stuff everywhere and beds unmade and all that kind of stuff. There still has to be a level of effort <laughs> made. Yeah, it's funny because some of the ones I've been watching, they um they did list really fast and you can see they didn't do styling, you see they didn't mm-hmm. do anything. It's just because one sold next door, then they mm. listed. I mean, if, there is a, if there's a buyer that the agent can introduce straight away, totally just go for it without doing anything. Mm. Yeah. But if you are going to go to market and actually market the property yeah. and spend yeah. money on marketing – you're doing yourself a disservice not to do anything. Yeah. You have to still make an effort. And we probably should mention that Amy's dad is John Cunningham. <laughs> Cunningham's real estate over in uh, Bargala. Yeah. And and also you've got other ones, don't they? But um, yeah. we interviewed John or something, haven't you? Or back something? in there's three. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, three. It feels like there's ten. He's a lion man. Cunningham's everywhere. He's well known in real estate circles. He was the president at REI in New South Wales. He's been running this uh, agent um Passive professionalism. That's or, the one. Yeah, that's the, the one. The professionalism. <laughs> I've actually been on the video and everything and to support <laughs> it and I absolutely do support it. And we did interview him, I think it was episode, well, it was early days. Yeah, he said it was very early nine days. Nine or yep. ten yeah. or eleven or something like that. So um, no, it's that's the first uh, parent-child we've had on the podcast. That is very <laughs> true. Unintentionally too. Yes. <laughs> Chris wasn't aware when he approached me. And that's he's hilarious. Like, well, John's but, actually my dad. But your <laughs> insights, obviously, in terms of what happens in the total, oh, the total yeah. uh, sales process that's the reason I mentioned it, actually, mm. is because that, you know, most stylists that haven't been involved in, in the sales environment, if you've yeah. grown up in real estate, which you have, yeah. you know, pretty much literally, um, then you would have different insights into that. Tomorrow. So we Absolutely. appreciate that uh, those insights you've been sharing with us today. Yeah, they're not just random observations. Mm. <laughs> Ho- hopeful uh, claims. Every week we hear incredible stories of the dumb things property buyers do. Dumb things that end up costing a whole lot of money and are a whole lot of stress. Mistakes that can be avoided. Please, Amy, can you give us an example of a property dumbo? We can all learn what not to do from these stories. Yeah, I was I was kind of referencing that earlier when I mentioned the property that we missed out on. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big one for us. But we, we also um, have been finding that particularly last year, um, that our clients that had bought and had been blindsided by furniture um, were very um, disheartened in the process too Mm. as a buyer. Um, So something that should have been quite a joyous experience and moving into their new home um, and they'd already either not sold for as much as they'd hoped and then bought um, still slightly higher than they'd hoped um, can then end up in a situation where they feel like, why did we do that? The grass isn't greener. The grass isn't greener. That's interesting. And so they become clients even though they're sort of being disillusioned by the fact they bought a property that you styled in the first place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that can be an interesting client dynamic. <laughs> yeah. But um, one that still works, but it, it is something that we are noticing um, is happening more and more when a property is styled. Yeah. So really interesting, isn't it? That The yeah. sense of regret perhaps or that they ne- – not necessarily feeling like they got what they bought. Well, they're not buying the full vision. Mm. So they it's um, falling in love with the wrong things. Yeah. So um, it's you've just got to come back to those essences and put those blinkers on when you walk into a property. Well, I think they do have blinkers on. I think you've got to take the blinkers off. Well, put the blinkers <laughs> on to the pretty stuff yeah, and yeah, actually yeah. just hone in and focus yeah. on the stuff that is 
what you're buying. You're buying the land size, you're buying the aspect, you're buying the layout, all the things that once you've purchased that, the, the fundamental that's what it fred, is. The, fred, the, fred, the fabric, sorry, I can't even, Jesus. <laughs> I think, uh, full disclosure here, I'm on painkillers <laughs> at the minute because I've, I've broken oh, a bone, right? So I'm all over the shop. <laughs> the fragment of the building, right? Yeah. I didn't actually want to say anything. I have but... to because I've stuffed up so many things <laughs> in this interview. I was thinking, I don't want to say Veronica is actually injured here and she's on painkillers because it sounds like it's affecting her. I right. don't want you to pity me, but I do no. want you to understand that that's the reason. Yeah, now this one's <laughs> Say so, you know, send Veronica some flowers and yeah, some do because I need <laughs> a little bit of TLC. It's um, <laughs> it's a very interesting Dumbo because um, at the moment I'm getting quite a few clients that wanting to do upgrades, mm. um, and you know because they probably feel like they should have done it last year. Yes, and like you know we were on mm. this podcast, we were saying that you oh know this um, this is the year to do the upgrade. You know, mm-hmm. get a. Yes, you're going to lose on the left hand, but you're going to gain a lot on the right hand, which is what you want to buy. Mm. Um, and now people are like, oh, actually, we should have done it last year. We should get in. And they've all got this fear of missing out, and they all mm-hmm. want to upgrade extremely fast. Yeah. yeah. And I, I kind of feel like, I'm, like you know, most brokers would just say, yeah, we can go, go buy it. You can go and do it. And I'm like, I think you really need to slow down here and get this right because you can't afford to make this mistake again mm. because you've generally they're doing the upgrade because they made the first mistake they bought something a bit too soon. small yeah. or sometimes it's not like sometimes they had apartments and they just, that could they, or they could afford yeah. or their stage of life, et cetera. But sometimes it is, we, we rushed to get into the market. We mm-hmm. bought something, not thinking we were going to have kids or that it was going to be fine. Yeah. Now we need more space. Um, and they're wanting to enter the market and they just want to go and buy the first thing. And this is what I think you're talking to about is that they're not really understanding exactly what they're buying. Is it really the right property for them? Yeah. And then they go and buy and they get out the other side and they're like, actually. Still wasn't right. Then they think not. about it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's that to me is I think the biggest risk with that is because you you can't then, you know, are you going to go and say to yourself a year later, should we shouldn't have done that upgrade or we want to do it again? It's so focused on, on, on you know, the, the pain of not buying something. Um, you know, when we interviewed Jackie Pollock and that was only in the 97 or somewhere around there, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we talked about the decision-making process mm. and, you know, being the funnel. She's got this sort of funnel concept and mm. the idea being at the top of the funnel, you've got loads of options, you've got really calm, you're not feeling stressed, you're, yeah. pres- you're not fr- feeling pressured, you are able to, you know, really look clearly and calmly at all your options, but you get into that pressure zone, which is what the market's doing to people at the moment. Um, they feel like they've got no options and so then they go panicking and they just they are not their best selves, put mm. it that way. Mm. And, yeah, and so they come to you and... It's like, oh my God, really, can you feel really it? clear on what you want too? Yeah. So if you don't have your wish list in place and you don't know what it is that you don't love about where you are currently and you haven't analyzed mm-hmm. that, instead of just going, it doesn't work for us anymore, yeah. yeah, actually pay attention to what is not working. And also what mm-hmm. does work. And yes, because, what you like about it. Yeah. So that you can actually try and replicate yeah. and remedy those things in the next purchase rather than just repeating the same mistakes or mm. getting new ones. Yeah. And we're going to get another lot this year. I mean, as housing affordability will be a lot we're going to talk about later this mm. year, I reckon, because of the price rises. Mm-hmm. And you get already people, starting, actually. Yeah, it's, yeah, and we you know, we could see that was going to happen, you know. Again, first-time buyers had hope. They've been mm-hmm. back in the market. Mm. Hope's going to go. And then you're going to get a lot of out of, uh, buying out of areas. So yeah. we're getting a lot of clients now thinking, oh, I'll buy up towards Hornsby and that area because they can't buy the beaches. Mm. Uh, I'll buy down Cronulla. But they've never lived in Cronulla. They don't they know Cronulla. They need to research yeah. the area first. Um, That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like, go and spend some weekends up there and yep. actually understand where you're moving to because we have other clients too that then end up isolated mm. and don't have that that community yeah. and that infrastructure that they've been used to if they've been living in the inner city or in a more of a, a, a denser area. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we've, we find we do have a lot of people transitioning to the northern beaches mm. and upper um, areas of the northern suburbs, it's like it's a big change and it's yeah. a lot slower paced. Yeah. 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 Do the legwork because I think, um, yeah, one client's trying to buy from St. Ives. I said, lived in St. Ives? No. Have you spent much time there? No. Mm. You know, go rent there. You know, mm-hmm. that's the thing. I mean, I didn't follow my own advice. <laughs> Uh, uh, in saying that, we, we just gambled and we went for it. We're very it's happy. It's very beautiful where you are. So all, yeah. all, of a, all of a sudden, Chris is giving everyone a little set of advice. It's so yeah. good to hear. Yeah, I, uh, do, do follow my own advice, yes. Um, no, but um, I'd just uh, love to get, I'll say, let's say um, 
people are thinking about doing some styling in their own home. Mm. Uh, what's some, some beautiful, because uh, you've helped me with some of these uh, <laughs> websites that, you know, have some pretty cool stuff. That, well, yeah. why don't we put a little list? So yeah, if you want to put together a little cheat sheet for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll actually I've add that a, as a bonus. I've got a great one in the show notes. Um, our recent, we do styling workshops yep. um, in our space, in our studio in Brookvale, and we've yep. got a lovely cheat sheet that gives our, like, favourite tips oh, with brilliant. best white paints and all this yeah. sort of stuff as well and our favourite suppliers and um inspiration places to go so so if you send us the links for those yeah. we'll include them in Absolutely. the show notes yeah. so go a, to the website or even check out the show notes at the bottom of itunes for our listeners if you want that well there you actually said um i think there was a we haven't done this too many episodes you got some type of promo or something yeah, we've got you a little to... discount code oh. too so um if you use just the word elephant <laughs> um you can get a discount on a 20 percent discount on our initial consultation for interior design so that's if you've just moved into a new property yep. um which gives you a lovely report as well as meeting with one of our interior designers either face to face or online um and a nice mood board to give you that sort of direction um, and then there's also um, the option to use for um, a consultation for sale, so a styling consultation as well. So very they're good. purchasable on our website, amazema.com. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you very Cheers. much. You're Thank very you very welcome. much for your time. Cheers. Thank you. We want to make you a better elephant rider, and this week's elephant rider training is... Well, I'll tell you what, we had so many fantastic tips from Amy in terms of things to look for when you're looking at a property, not just if it's styled, but even if it's not styled. Just one thing I wanted to add to, in fact, she, as we do these episodes, by the way, as we do these interviews, I think of things that we can actually talk about in the boot camp. So they really are off the cuff and, um, and you know, related to whatever we've been talking about. And she kept basically stealing my thunder every time I wrote down an idea. It was just like we, she covered it off, which is great. But the one thing I did want to add a bit of, um, a bit of uh, insight into is around the timing of sale when you've got a property that's tenanted, because we did talk about whether you should get it styled or, you know, uh, wait until the tenant vacates and style it or whether you should sell it with the tenant in place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, in an ideal world, you don't sell a property with a tenant in it. Um, it's it's 99% of them, they're just not going to present the property in the way that you want it to be presented. And also they're not going to give the access that you need. And, and you know, it's an inconvenience to them and it's just at the end of the day it can turn into a nightmare. So, or they could move out in the middle of the sale process as well and that would be quite disruptive. So, you know, most of the time you wouldn't want to do it. But there's sometimes when there might be a bit of volatility in the marketplace where you think, I'm uncertain about what's going to happen in the next three to four months, which is how long it's going to take to get a tenant out in most cases. Um, you've got to give them in New South Wales, and the the, rule, the laws change uh, different in every state, but in New South Wales, for instance, under most circumstances, you've got to give them 90 days' notice. And then once you give them notice, they can move out at any time. So trying to time that and work around that, particularly if you're getting trades lined up and all that sort of thing, it can be really quite tricky. It's a very stressful period of time. So you, you know why people want to avoid it. Um, but if the market is volatile and you, you're not confident that it's going to hold or if it is falling, then, you know, there are times where there is very justified to actually sell with the tenant in and just, just take it to market and just be done with it. So I think it's not just the presentation that you've got to consider there. You know, you've really got to consider what's happening in the, in the greater market. Next episode, we've got a little bit of a surprise for you or a treat or however you want to look at it. Um, Chris is interviewing me. He's asking me some curly questions about whether buyer's agents are good value or not. I promise you it's not a sales pitch for good deeds, which is my business, but we want to actually go into, well, what are the pros and cons of using a buyer's agent? What are the fees? What are the issues? And what are the questions that you should be asking if you are considering using a buyer's agent? So please tune in and I promise you it's not a sales pitch. Don't forget we're on all the social channels. We're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter. Or you can connect with us on theelephantintheroom.com.au. The links are all there for you. Please connect and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The Elephant in the Room property podcast is recorded at the Sydney Sound Brewery. This week's podcast was recorded by John Resk. Editorial by Gordy Fletcher. Until next week, don't be a dumbo. Now remember, everything we talked about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. 
If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent who will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances with a statement of advice.